Welcome to the Fair Chase Podcast. It's like, yeah, it's going to be physically it's hard, suck, but it's also like the best. Later on, that's the story you tell. I got a new strategy. It's, you just go kind of lick your finger a little bit like this. Aim high, play the wind. And then you aim high, you play the wind. It's a new aiming technique that I'm working on. You brought this up. Yeah. It's because you had target panic so bad. Yeah, I didn't have it so bad. Before we jump into this episode, we have to thank a few companies that make this show possible. First up, Vortex Optics. We run their binoculars, spotting scopes, and uh, a lot of their clothes in their Vortex wear line. Quality sweaters and hoodies, t-shirts, hats. Yep. You Uh, can save yourself 20% on that stuff. Buy. It's a new code. The code TFC20. Check them out. Next up, Trophy Line. Trophy Line. No secret, we are saddle guys. We like to hunt in saddles, make the jokes if you want, but they're super light, super effective, and we're big fans of Trophy Line. This year, we're going to be running the Mission Platform or the EDP Platform, depending, and uh, running the Covert Light. Yeah. Nice and light saddle. Lots of good adjustability on that. I feel comfortable walking with that thing out in the woods. Go check this thing out. Use the code TFC10 to save yourself 10% on the next purchase. Next up, Prime. The bow that got me to switch back. I think I feel like I got you to switch back. You did, but but I like. But it was it's a big because part. of Prime shootability, shooting your bow, their accuracy. Uh, we're big fans of Prime. They're Michigan company. Jared's shooting the Nexus Four. I'm shooting the Nexus Two this year. Go check them out. G5Prime.com. We uh, we're big GPS map users on our phone. Um, I get tend to get lost a lot, and Jared you do tend to get lost. A lot. Jared can't always be next to me. When you don't have Jared with you, you can have a little Jared in your pocket. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> this is an awesome platform. We know the guys. They're local here in Grand Rapids. And you can actually download other apps, stand locations, plot locations, whatever pins that you have, you can download them onto the HuntWise platform. So you're not, you can, give you it just, a try. You can just hit the ground. And you're not losing your research. Yeah. So go check this app out, HuntWise.com. You know, I was actually asked this weekend if we weren't partnered with Vector and like I had to shoot a different arrow. Would I shoot vectors? Oh, yeah, for sure. And I said, yes, of course. Yeah. I love them. I shoot extremely accurate with them. I've never broken one. Yeah. And the sweet thing was is you pretty much just tell Isaac and the guys over there your draw length, draw weight, and I think your tip weight. Your tip weight, and they have a – And then you customize the whole thing. You and can they do it right tip, online. cut, and everything. You don't have to mess with the bow shop or anything like that. Check these guys out, vectorcustomshop.com. For 10% off your order at checkout, use TFC10. Good luck out there. Shoot straight. All right. All right. Welcome to another episode of the Fair Chase podcast. Uh, today, I've got Rick Carey with me, uh, kind of a special guest. Uh, actually, it's taken us a couple of weeks to get this scheduled because uh, last week I felt I succumbed to COVID my second time, a bit of an overachiever. Uh, but I went down. So it, I appreciate you making the time for me tonight now. No problem. I've only had it one time. So I'm chasing it out. You know, you'll get it a second time. I, I believe in you. You, <laughs> we all got to reach for the stars. That's right. That's right. So, um, Rick, before we jump in, you want to just explain who you are, what you do? Sure. Uh, I'm the president of the Metalwork Corporation. Uh, originally, uh, had a company called the Ch- uh, Chart International, which made game processing equipment. Uh, that was my background. And actually, uh, I'm an attorney by trade. I was general counsel for the company for a number of years, uh, but grew up hunting, fishing in the UP of Michigan. Uh, and Really uh, developed uh, that game processing when uh, it was in the early days when uh, you know, Cabela's was really first getting into it. I was helping them develop it, yeah. kind of developed my own company around it. And uh, now I, uh, I have a, 
the Metalware Corporation, which is really focused on food preservation. Uh, so it, it kind of broadened beyond game processing, but that was the stepping stone into it. So that, that, that's kind of what I do on a daily basis. Yeah, where'd you go to law school? I went to law school, uh, University of Wisconsin. Okay, nice. I went to Seton Hall University Law School. Oh, nice. Yeah. Rarely so, do I get a, an attorney, anybody with a legal, legal training on the podcast. So it's exciting. You know, I'll just, I'll just say like, yeah, I'm, I'm not a practicing attorney anymore, but I absolutely love the education. I love the logic aspect of things and the, you know, just the analysis that goes into everyday life. It really, yeah. uh, I'd recommend it to any of your listeners. Uh, quite frankly, if you're thinking about it, you know, there's a lot of attorneys who go to law schools, you know, this go to law school and then, you know, find a different path or a different profession afterwards. But the basis of the education is just fantastic. Oh, it it helps you think well. It was not easy. Kind of a no. pain for a while. Uh, and I lived out east. I've talked about this in the podcast, but didn't really have much chance. I'm in Michigan now uh, to do a whole lot of hunting. I'd come back for, you know, um, we had a hurricane once or like for, for holidays and get a little hunting in. But man, it was actually living out there that got me more excited about hunting than I'd ever been just because it was taken away for for a couple of years. You know, so, I've, I've got a similar story. I was living down while in Milwaukee and Madison and doing uh, uh, really uh, corporate defense litigation. And I, it, I just was so far from the UP and hunting and fishing. Uh, and it really just, when the opportunity came up to become general counsel for this company, I, uh, I, I jumped at it because it was going to mean I was only two and a half hours from hunting yeah, versus right. five and a half hours. And it was just, I was like, yep, that was actually my driving decision was to be a little closer to being able to do that again. Sure. I mean, and, we, and we've talked about this a lot, but the life you choose, you build. And so if these things are important to you, uh, you generally have some sort of a choice or a, a say in the matter. Um, so that, that's cool. So you, you moved, um, became general counsel for this chard. What's the what's the, uh, is this the vegetable, like the chard that I absolutely hate or what's the, what's the naming? Yeah, reason? I actually appreciate you picking up on that. Actually, what it is, is, uh, Richard last part of Richard. I, I'm actually Richard Carey jr. So, uh, my dad was, uh, Richard Carey senior. So, all right. uh, you know, we all had to pick a nickname, right? So, uh, my nickname was chard or chardy. Uh, my brother gave it to me. <laughs> so like that, that was my name. And, and honestly, like when I started Chard, um, you know, websites were a big deal. I just try to find a website that wasn't being squatted on. Yeah. Uh, and Chard products was available. And, and so I was like, I, I, well, even going back further, I've always been an entrepreneur. I've owned a lot of companies. I, I was, I grew up, my parents had a Volkswagen dealership. Yeah. And I grew up, uh, even when I was in law school, to make money, I restored old Volkswagens, uh, especially <laughs> old campers. So I do restoration projects like that, Selman Madison. Uh, buy them. My brother was living in California, so we'd drive him across country. I'd fix him up, sell him in Madison. Eventually, I, I started a machine shop, and I, I restored old German Solex carburetors. <laughs> and everything, everything I ever did, every company I ever had was named Chard, Chard's Carbs, or you know, <laughs> everything was Chard, I, I, you know, Chard products. It, whatever yeah. it was, it was sort of like my nomenclature for basically anything I would do in business. Uh, so it just, it seemed natural to be able to do that. So, yeah. And then you can tell the story about, you know, last part of Richard and people would remember it. Yeah. It's easier to remember that way. Yeah. That makes, right. that makes sense. So you, you were fairly hand, you're handy, handy guy. Like you, you did a lot of car work yourself. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've always been a do it myself person, uh, no matter you know, growing up or really anything I've done, even law school was like that, where I, I just, I didn't want to rely on somebody else to know it. Uh, so I wanted to go know it. So, uh, you know, it, anything I've done, even running the company or 
Uh, you know, even when we buy equipment, I have to go research the equipment, run the equipment. I'll literally go down and run the lines on a you know, second shift. I do that a lot where I kind of put in my first shift, uh, do my job as the president, and then second shift I'll go and I'll actually work on the production lines. I'll go do time studies myself because uh, I'm just a hands-on person. I really, and then really ties into like game processing, food preservation. I like being able to know that I can do it myself. So you've always been kind of a cut them up yourself processor. Yeah. I, you know, I, I got kind of a little story about this. Just, I grew up in the UP of Michigan, uh, a lot, a lot of time with my grandparents. Which part, by the way, in the UP? Uh, okay. So you're pretty familiar from Michigan. Yeah. So you're pretty familiar with it. Yeah. UP kind of looks like this. Yeah. If you drew a line from end to end, top to bottom, where yeah. they intersect is called Channing, Michigan. Okay. Uh, that's where my whole family's from. It's a town of 300 people and like, you know, 290 are my relatives, you know. Oh, hilarious. That's awesome. Yeah. But we, so we grew, you know, grew up uh, doing a lot of hunting, uh, especially, you know, just whitetail. Uh, and it, it just, you know, what, how, you know, how you grow up, you think, especially before you go off and leave, you know, leave your hometown, you think everybody's kind of like you. So we grew up right. yeah, November 15th. It's always opener. Uh, usually like we do drives at the end of, you know, right before Thanksgiving, usually like right before Thanksgiving, we'd start driving sure. and we had a potato farm. So, you know, we'd get, uh, you'd have a lot, of, you know, just nuisance tags. So we'd fill up the tags and then, you know, everybody had black Friday, which is totally different meaning uh, for us. You know, black <laughs> Friday was like processing day. So we'd have 12, 13 whitetail and, you know, my grandmother would be at, you know, one end tasting the, the raw venison with the potatoes, you know, the potatoes mixed in the spices for potato sausage. Oh yeah. And we would just process a ton of deer. And that was just, it was the way of life. This is how we did it. And I really never thought too much about it. It was a family gathering, everyone right. did it together. Um, and so when I left and like, you know, started hunting with other people, I realized it wasn't really, everybody didn't do it the same way. And then when I got into the business as general counsel, because the, I quickly realized that the company, they really didn't need me as general counsel. It was basically, they had some problems for a little bit. I got in there, I fixed them. And then, you know, one day I sitting at my desk playing solitaire. And I was like, yeah, this, I gotta, I gotta figure out something to do. So yeah. I was like, Hey guys, I'll, you know, I like this stuff. I'll do product development. I'll go sell. I'll go over to China. I'll go over, you know, wherever you guys need me to do, I'll go do it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, again, I like to know how to do everything. So I started uh, you know, going in sales calls. They had a, a line called open country, which had been around since like the thirties like camping equipment outdoor. I was a big camping person all my life. Yeah. So I was like, Hey, I'll get into that. Started really going to Cabela's, uh, Bass Pro, Sportsman's Warehouse, Gander Mountain. Really started knowing the buyers, started going out to dinner, having conversations like this. I'm like, you know, all there is is this really, you know, basically you have to go buy commercial equipment for game processing. Yeah. I really think there's a market here where we could develop and, and CWD was becoming a, an issue, chronic wasting disease. What year was this? So that would have been like 2005, 2006. Okay. Yep, sure. So, yep. You know, and CWD was kind of migrating from the from really the Colorado area to the Midwest. And with that came this whole transition. Well, kind of two things going on. One was people were, uh, you know, the little mom-pop processing areas that every, every little town had were going away. So you couldn't just drop your deer off and have somebody process it as easily. Yeah. CWD made that worse because guys who would process, you know, under certifications, uh, would have to go through this whole big process to make sure that they shut everything down, process venison, cleaned everything up, reopened to be able to process as normal. 
and it just wasn't worth it for a lot of guys. So that kind of dried up and those two factors and all of a sudden started really driving this, you know, processing it yourself category. So nobody really had grinders or slicers. We were already making food dehydrators. So, you know, we started looking at this and saying, Hey, look, we can educate people. We can give them products that don't cost $2,000. We can get products out there in the $150 range. And that yep. makes it accessible for people. Uh, I'm still a big believer in co-oping where you, you, know, you buy it with your oh, yeah. brothers or something like that. But, yep. but a lot of people, just that first step is doing it yourself the first time, you know, one deer, Hey, it's really not that hard and you're not going to screw it up. Yep. Uh, you just, that's the biggest thing I get through to people. I'm like, look, you're not going to screw it up. I thought that when I started my, my start was in college in the, actually in high school, even uh, my friend Jared and I, uh, we just didn't have enough money to spend a hundred bucks every time I wanted to get a, a deer process. So I started cutting it myself. My, my initial worry was like, I'm going to, I'm going to mess it up. I'm going to eat something that's going to somehow poison me. I just had no idea how this even worked. I didn't I mean, there was no YouTube then. So I'm just like cutting that stuff. No, no clue what I was doing. It, 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 I would say that that's, uh, YouTube really wasn't as big in 2005, but YouTube has just been huge for this of just being able to go research it yourself and, and do that. But you, you hit a nail on the head. Like, I mean, I was poor for a long time. <laughs> yeah. And, and it got more and more, again, as there were fewer of these guys and it got more and more expensive, um, now, you know, it was easy for us to be able to go out and do it anyway. But yeah, for a lot of guys, like, I mean, just not going to screw it up. I mean, yeah. the worst thing you're going to do is mess up a tenderloin or something like that. And then, I mean, you're still going to be able to eat it. It's just yeah. maybe not going to be a perfect roast for you or something. But honestly, as long as you follow some basics about, you know, getting that deer gutted and cleaned, you know, I always preach about cleanliness and godliness. It's like, look, if you get it chilled down really quick, uh, you yeah. gut it properly, you find that deer right away. Um, you know, if you got a good clean kill, it makes things a lot better. Gut shots suck, you know, I mean, just if you can do those things, at, especially the field dressing, that's where you're going to screw more things up as field dressing than you're ever yeah, going absolutely. to do yep. I mean, it can always become stew meat. You can always make it into jerky. Yeah, um, you can always grind it up. You'd always grind it up and make quick jerky. You can always make it out of hamburger. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, I mean, that's the biggest thing I think for a lot of people, they had to realize that look, I'm not, you know, I, I, you know, I did all the pre-hunt, I did all the hunting. And I always laugh because like guys spend so much time on that part of it. I'm like, look, you know, here's the other thing about, you know, processing. Most processors throw everybody's, you know, hamburger or they make hamburger in one big vat. Yeah. Uh, you just throw it in. So like, if you did get a clean kill, if you, you know, basically you've got a good heart shot, that thing went down quick. It, you know, you got it chilled right away. And you want that venison. That venison doesn't have a bunch of adrenaline flowing through it ahead of time. You had a good clean kill. It's going to taste better than the guy who, you know, either didn't field dress it right away, got shot it, didn't yeah. get it, you know, didn't get a good clean kill, didn't chill it right away. And quite frankly, if you take those ethical steps, if you're making the effort on that side, you want your meat. Exactly. So, it's yours. It's, you want it to be pure, you know? It's yours. Yeah. And, and there's that connection to it. And, and honestly, like, you know, not to get too philosophical about it, but I personally really like the whole concept. I mean, 
I'm out there right now looking, they're hurting, especially in the UP of Michigan, they're hurting up. Yep. I'm watching the deer, certain genetic traits. I'm seeing which ones are, you know, are they the short, you know, stocky ones or the longer leg ones? You know, I'm, I'm kind of watching that stuff. I go through the whole year with that and that sort of relationship. Choose that, you know, especially when they go to velvet, you got them on game cam. You're watching this thing. You're making sure you, you, you planted your trails. You've yeah. got the right mix in there. Like you've done all of this stuff. You've sat in that tree blind when it's cold as <laughs> everything out there. You're yeah. doing these things. Like this, don't stop. You know, like take it to the yeah, complete it. Yes, Go all exactly. the way through. I, I would, I would agree. And there's, there's just nothing like. I mean, there's, there's something. I mean, there's nothing like killing it and and eating it. But mm-hmm. to add the the part where you prepare it. Uh, I don't know. It's once I started doing it, you know, products like, cause when I first started doing it, I didn't have a grinder. So it was just a bunch of weird steaks that I cut up in different sizes. You know what I'm saying? Just kind of figured it out. And I would, you know, I, I, I tell this a lot, but like Jared and I would, would, you know, bring girls up to the cottage, right. And impress them with our, you know, our ability to procure meat and just be like, I cook this myself. And I mean, again, a lot of it wasn't great because I didn't exactly know what I was doing or what part I was cutting or anything like that. But I mean, very, very, there's a lot of satisfaction there. Um, But I got to ask, so you mentioned you're, you're, you've got a line on uh, uh, Black Friday where your, your, your grandma's on the one end eating the little bits of it raw with the potato and, and seasoning and stuff. So explain this, uh, this, uh, what's the word I'm trying to look for? Uh, uh, Henry Ford had the assembly line, explain this uh, assembly line for me. How'd that, how'd that go? Yeah. So, you know, it all depended on your age, right? Right. You know, grandma was at one end, you know, basically we made a lot of potato sausage. That was, you know, we, we would, you know, do our steaks and stuff like that, but that all, that all went pretty quick. The actual, the hamburger part went a lot, it was a lot more you know, tedious. So yeah. we usually, we didn't hang for long. So we would go through a process. Usually we'd, uh, I, we always call it debarking. We debark them like while they're still warm. Because yeah. man, nothing's better than peeling it off when it's still warm versus <laughs> yeah. when you get cold fingers in there. And uh, so we'd peel them uh, pretty quick. Um, then let them hang for a little bit. Uh, and the UP was always, you know, always cold. So that time of year, you're always, you know, in a tens and twenties. So we'd bring him into a garage. We'd uh, grandpa would always be out there with the belt sander and he would constantly sharpen the knives. Right. So yeah, like, like, I don't know how many people know this, but like, like fur just dulls a knife, like so fast. Riding on concrete. It's just so fast. And having a nice razor edge is just, it is one of the tricks to processing properly. Get that knife edge, learn how to put a, the right edge on a knife. It's absolutely critical. And then don't be afraid to have several knives and be able to, you know, go back. And so my grandpa was always the guy who was sharpening the knives because again, you know, grandpa had all these years of being able to do it. Uh, and grandpa not easy to do. This, right. It's not easy to do. And, you know, you can't overheat them. And he just, he just knew how to do that. So the rest of us were all, I mean, my job for many years was just basically silver skin picker. You know, you just, <laughs> oh, that's the worst. You know, just get a needle nose pliers in there, get, you know, get your, get your knife in there. And, you know, you, I, I used a buck knife for a lot of this where you get that, the, just, just the point of the knife, get, pick it up with a needle nose and get in there. And I will just tell your listeners that, you know, if, if you don't like the gamey flavor of venison, if that's one of your, your, your hangups on it, which it is for me, I don't care for the gaminess of it. Um, and my grandmother was really big about this. We got every bit of silver skin off. Uh, yep. We never, we personally didn't reuse the fat. We'd always use pork fat versus sure. uh, 
Yeah, the, any of the towels. It's kind of waxy otherwise. Or it's not the it best is. fat for that. It's not the best fat. It's a different type of fat. Um, it's got a lot of game flavors in there. So if you don't like that gamey flavor, there's those, those two things right there. Yeah. Now, the UP was, you know, we didn't have cornfields. So, you know, we had potato fields and cedar swamps. So it was a little bit different flavored deer. And that's something your listeners should know too. Like where you hunt, where you live makes a big difference on what the flavor is going to be like. And uh, I could use antelope as a really good example. Yeah, like, yes. you, know, <laughs> you know, if you're ever going hunting antelope, it's basically like a, a sage flavor steak. If you just basically cooked over an open fire, because they <laughs> eat sage all day long. Yeah. Um, you know, deer in the Midwest, you know, if you get in the lower Wisconsin, Iowa, you know, Minnesota, those guys, most of those deer are eating corn. They're corn finished essentially at the end of the season. So the fat's going to be a little bit different for you. Um, and you know, so it, it's not as big a deal, but for us, we get all of that off. We would usually mix a ratio, uh, with our sausage of, uh, three to one, sure. uh, three, three venison pounds to one, uh, pork pound. But basically that was it. Like we had five, six family members were basically just, you know, cubing up, taking off the, uh, you know, taking off any of the silver skin, any of the fat, uh, cubing into about one inch cubes. And then the big thing there too, uh, for any of your listeners, uh, you know, if you take those cubes, put them in a stainless steel bowl throw them in the freezer, Yeah, uh, get them in the freezer for like maybe half an hour. And all it's going to do for you is going to take those cubes and gonna stiffen them up a little bit. So when you put them into the grinder, that blade and that auger are going to be able to bite on that meat. And rather than kind of smushing it against the cutting plates. Yeah. Good I do that all the time. It gets kind of jammed up in there. Yep. If I don't freeze it or like if they start to melt, then I got to throw it back in the freezer and, and kind of cool them down again. It, and I'll tell you what, whether you're slicing or grinding, just, you know, you really, I say you can't overfreeze it, but you can. I mean, if you let it in there for three days, right. but if you even let it in there for a couple of hours and it, it is almost to the point of it being an ice cube, um, you're fine. That grinder will like cutting through that much better than just processed meat. So that's one thing I recommend to folks. And we did that, you know, for us, again, we just stick them outside. Um, they would freeze up relatively quickly, put them in the grinder um, and then you had basically the older, if you were more experienced, you're on the sausage stuffer. Sure. You've never made sausage. Like sausage stuffing is actually kind of an art. Like understand how, you know, and, and I will tell your listeners, I sell both collagen casing and natural casings. Sure. Okay. You will buy collagen casings the first time you go, you go to make venison or make sausage yourself because it looks appetizing when you're looking yeah. at the shelf. And that's why we sell it. And the next time you'll buy real casings because real casings taste the best. what is what is real casing made out of it's intestine it, okay it, that's it, what it, i thought yeah, it's yep. inte- so it looks disgusting i mean right it's in a salt brine pack uh to preserve it you take it out you soak it in water you make you rinse it out get all that salt brine out of there clean it up really well um but that the the flavor the consistency is what you're used to it's way better um like i said sell both the, the collagen doesn't have a taste to it but for me, the basic is that that crunch when you kind of bite into it. Oh yeah, that natural casing's a lot better. Uh, but again, when you're looking at it, it, the natural casing's a little harder to work with. There, you know, get that. You know, you got to put your hand around the the feeder. So when you're holding the key, you feed the casings on, tie off the end. You're gonna you know have one person cranking. You can do it both yourself, or if you have an automated one, you have foot pedals. Yeah. Um, but we always had just hand cranked one. The ones we sell today are like much nicer. What <laughs> of course two speeds and all stainless steel. But anyway, they, they, so it was always an older person who was doing that who would be you know had the experience to get the right consistency because there is a certain amount of density if you hold it in, you get a little bit better density uh, within the sausage casings and. 
yeah, there's no way in a podcast be able to tell somebody what that looks like. Yeah, right. But you're not going to screw it up. No. You're gonna, you know, I, if you're doing it the first time, do it a couple different ways. I, you know, you, we sell both vacuum sealers and butcher paper. I'm a big vacuum seal bag guy. I, I think it's, it's a technology that works really well. Take a Sharpie, write it on the bag. Um, you know, Hey, this is, you know, whatever. There's a more dense sausage. See what you like. Um, if you like it a little bit more dense, it, it cuts a little bit, you can get it to a point where it cuts like steak. Um, if you get a really, really dense or you can loose fill it. And, and basically that's, you know, it's not for me. It's not what I like, but for some people that's going to be what they're reminiscent of. And that's what they like, but again, not going to screw it up. It's going to taste the same. It's just going to have a little bit different texture to it. Well, you said you, you mentioned, um, potato, you call them potato sausage. Would you throw yeah, Did you actually sausage. throw potato? Yeah. Again, growing up, we, you know, family had a potato farm. Yeah. So, you know, I think everything got potatoes in it, <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, potato sausage, uh, you throw potatoes and, in with it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm sure that, I mean, it was basically last name carry it. We're all Irish. So, sure. um, it came from that side. So it basically an Irish potato sausage, you know, it was like, it, you could get on a Saturday night, you go to somebody's house and try their potato sausage. Um, it was usually always out, you know, one of those skillets yeah. uh, with a glass top to it. Like somebody always, if you go to one of people's houses, they always had their own potato sausage out. I, I'm sure it's a regional thing for us. Um, yeah. I live, you know, a little further South in Wisconsin and, you know, it's more German around here. So we get uh, a lot little, of Germans around there. I know. Yeah. A yeah. little, little, little bit different, uh, you know, the more kraut type stuff. Oh yeah. And I say sauerkraut, uh, Yeah, but it just, a little bit different, but it's what you like. And that's some of the fun things about that. Like, Hey, I also like, uh, have you ever heard of porchetta? Yeah. 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 You know that I, I do a porchetta roast for, uh, in venison, like a, of a rear hawk that I really like just rolling in that, that spices and then slow cooking it for about oh, yeah. six, I eight hours. I've never made yeah. one of those. I've always wanted to, they look so cool. It is really, honestly, like you should try that. If you like spicy flavors, they sell porchetta seasonings, Kind of, I mean, you can get them pretty much anywhere, but it's it's an Italian type seasoning. That's the background to it. It really does a nice job. You slow cook it. And I've been it was wanting. Another one that was pretty famous, Rob. Us. I've been wanting to do this. Uh, I'm not actually wasn't even didn't have porchetta on my mind. I was actually looking at the sausages right now in my freezer. I've got a bunch of chunks of venison that I haven't clean, finished cutting. I just I was moving, so I threw it in the freezer, and I figured I, I'll uh, grind it up. What I what I typically do actually is I just I take it out of the freezer, let it so I can actually cut it up into cubes if I've left it in big chunks of meat, and I just throw it right in the uh, the grinder that way. Um, so I've got some serious grinding to do that my wife was giving me a hard time about a couple of days ago, um, and so maybe I'll look into sa- sausages. Is something I've never tried. I've, I wanted to do just your your typical one, but I also want to do a summer sausage at some point, uh, ferment it and stuff. You know? Yeah. We, and we do sell sausage seasonings, um, you know, and, and I'll tell you, our, the Italian, the, our Italian sausage, I, I think is one of the best, like yeah. it's, it, you know, it's as close to the Italian sausage I grew up with. It's great. I don't do a porchetta. Maybe I, I will do that. It's more of a dry rub. Yeah. But right. We also sell an, a, a, we uh, have an andouille and I, I, I like spicy too. That's yeah. completely out of my normal comfort zone. <laughs> sure. I grew up with andouille, but I really like andouille with venison. And that, that, that just that sweet, spicy and dewy flavor with venison. I, I just think that's a really nice combination. So that's that's what, maybe I'll try that. The fam, my family loves the aduli sausage and to try to, maybe that's what I'll do. I've got, like I said, I've got 
quite a bit of venison that needs uh grinding and, and so i was initially just doing gonna do burgers because actually i found my girls i've got a, a wife and a daughter they seem to like bur- a venison burger more than beef which is funny uh and so they're kind of getting sick of cow and they've been asking about it so well i'll tell you what uh you're not gonna go wrong with the hammers did you do jerk do you do jerky at all oh yeah oh yeah do you do yeah. whole meat or, or or ground meat jerky i've never done the ground meat where you take I've, where you take the gun and you kind of make strips i've only ever done uh just cut strips and i throw it either on the smoker or the dehydrator that i've got yep um but i've not ever tried the the ground you might, i mean you might, might want to try it it's funny i mean i just with my job and what i do i, I make a ton of jerky and i have for years yeah i go through like iterations of you know, I, I do only whole meat for a while because I'm like, ah, this is it. This I, I found it. This is the one I like. Yeah. And then I'll go into a ground meat. And, and I'll just I'll tell you, with venison, if you're going to do ground meat, definitely mix it in with a hamburger. And don't use pork. Use hamburger for, for jerky. Yeah. Um, the fat is better. And the only reason you really need it for jerky is that when you're extruding it out of a, of a, like a, a jerky gun, you need a little bit of fat in there to hold it all together. Uh, if you don't do it and you're using lean meat, which is what you typically use with jerky, yeah. uh, especially when you're like, you know, you're again, your round steaks and stuff like that a lot of times become jerky, right? Yeah. Very low fat content. So you need to add a little bit of fat to it to get it to form properly, but don't use pork for that. Use hamburger. It turns out better. Does but, it really? Okay. Yeah, it does. And, and the other thing I would just say is that, you know, uh, if you're doing it the you know, like like for you, if you just want to do like a Sunday night and you just want to pull some stuff out, grind it up, and make jerky, um, the ground meat so it's so quick and easy. You can do it right then. Where if you're using yeah. whole meat, I like to marinate for at least 48 hours in whole meat, uh, and so you, you know you got to really plan ahead and right. I always wait, especially when you have kids. You know, with kids, like, it's just like a lot of times it's like, uh, what's the easiest thing to thaw right now? You know, exactly. that's... <laughs> what can I do on a Sunday night while we're yeah. watching a movie or something like that? You know, exactly. And, honestly, you can you can grind that stuff up. You can you know, and I, I make a real effort to make everything I I make to be able to be dishwasher safe to the extent sure. I can, yep. so that when you, when you make it, so make it make it easy to be able to put together. You'll see things like I I really try to incorporate cord storage into everything because if I I've just noticed with my own use. That if there's cords and everything hanging around, it goes downstairs. So it just doesn't yeah. mess everything up. If it's easy to put away in my pantry, it stays there and it means I use it. Yeah. Uh, so that's, you know, but again, that ground meat jerky or quick jerky, give it a shot. Uh, it's a little better flavor penetration. I will tell you, if you're going to use something like pepper or anything with pepper in it, like uh, we do a cracked garlic and pepper or cracked pepper and garlic. Uh, I really like it, but in the whole meat, it's fantastic because that pepper coats the outside. Yeah. But in the ground meat, that pepper gets inside the ground meat and the flavor doesn't come out like it does otherwise. So there's yeah. certain you know flavorings that work better with ground or whole. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I'm 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 just pulling up something right now because like so in the next week, <clears throat> I'm gonna be turkey hunting this weekend. And then the week after that, I'm gonna be bear hunting. And and so I'm potentially about to have a lot of, if all goes as planned, have a bunch of like a meat uh, surplus coming in. And so I've been looking at different things for doing uh, turkey, uh, which actually I was actually considering looking at some jerky options for that. Um, and then for the bear, I was actually, I love the, I, I render out the fat, use it a lot for cooking oil and stuff. Yeah. Um, but I wonder, could you use bear fat into some of your your like ven- more lean cuts of venison or would that be like a, the most funky unholy th- combination ever? 
Well, you hit me on a couple of things that really, honestly, I've never tried. First of all, I've never made it uh, turkey jerky. I've made goose jerky. Okay. And, oh, uh, gr- goose jerky is fantastic. Yeah, That's a and, staple and, for me. Yep. Yeah. And I, again, I grew up with goose. I'm not a big fan of goose in other, in other ways. Uh, Same. Like, yep. like jerky is like a really good use for it. Um, and just talk about bear for a second. Like, I'm curious, like how your fat content is going to be in the spring. First of all, like, I know, you know, yep. you know how, where are you going to have that? Um, you know, and bears are even more like deer more. So it depends on what you've been fed. Yeah. You know, normally like fall bears that, you know, they taste like donuts. Cause like basically people have <laughs> been feeding them, you know, stale donuts for three months. Yeah. Especially you know, around where we're, you know, Northern Michigan. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Especially around us. At least that's how, you know, most guys, and, uh, you know, I, but Turkey, I've never tried it. Um, the only thing with, you know, with, with fowl in general, just make sure you use your cure. Uh, a lot okay. of guys will get like, especially if you're using uh, on red meat, uh, you know, you really should use the cure low. They recommend it's been studied. They know how to use it. Um, that's why marinating too. Like you just want to make sure you're marinating your cure long enough that any of that bacteria is, is, is neutralized. You just, yeah. that cure is important for that. But if you get into fish or, or birds and you're making jerky, really do everything right. Like make sure you're clean, as clean as possible. Make sure if you're going to brine it, you basically, you get a good 48 hours in there with the right cure load for the weight. Yeah. Um, you know, scales, I use scales for almost everything. When I do it, it's just, do you really, you get it. Like yeah. I mean, we are jerky seasoning actually comes pre-measured, but I'm making sure that I'm weighing my meat. I'm not just eyeballing it and saying, Hey, it's about two pounds right there. Yeah. I'm actually weighing it out. Uh, those things, they get a lot more important when you get into fowl or you get in, in, into fish. Uh, and even with fish, like I recommend freezing the fish for, uh, you know, at least three days um, and make sure good, like in a chest freezer, like that'll help kill any of the bacteria that's in there as well. And then you still brine it. Um, but some of those things get, you know, when you get away from red meat, you got to make sure that you're really following those protocols. Right. Uh, but I will say like goose jerky, that's what I do with goose jerky. And it really turns out well. And, you know, I, I used to turkey hunt a lot when I was younger and I'm not a huge wild turkey fan. Like I haven't found a good, yeah, a good. Never, have you ever schnitzeled them? That was the other thing I was going to try this year, schnitzeling uh, turkey. No, but have you ever had a bad schnitzel? I mean, it's like. No, you can't screw up a schnitzel. That's what I was thinking. Up. So I, That's great. Like, honestly, if you find a good turkey recipe, please hit me up because. Definitely. I, I, I kind of stopped turkey hunting because I'm like, yeah, man, I just I can't figure out a way I really like to right. eat. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. So if, you, if, you, if, if that works for you or your jerky works, that would be great. Matter of fact, uh, one of the guys I work with drew a tag for this uh, this weekend and we were just talking about it. And I'm just like, look let's, let's play around with this. Cause it's been like 15 years since I really went yeah. you know, and tried. And we sell Turkey fryers. Like we sell, you know, uh, yeah. uh, I've tried that too. It's it just not the same as doing, you know, a regular Turkey, but I tell you what, you find that flavor and that, that right hit. I'd love to hear about it because I, I enjoy Turkey hunting. I'm just not a big fan of going hunting and not eating it. Yeah. not, and then just not loving it. I'll say the, yeah. the best Turkey meal I've had was not a culinary masterpiece by any means, but it was <clears throat> the first turkey that I had ever shot with my bow. Um, and at that time, we have all these wild leeks or ramps that are growing out in the woods. Like, and I'm sure you have them up by you. Yes, and we threw in some morels. And so around the campfire, we had turkey. It was just sliced in like a little cast iron pan on the fire out in the middle of the woods with these morels and uh, with this these um, leeks. And it was... 
it felt like it was, I mean, I'm sure it wouldn't, you wouldn't put it in a restaurant, but it was fantastic. You know, it's one of those meals that I think back to quite a bit. So can I just share a quick story? I, I just on the same line, like uh, my buddy and I used to go camping a lot, just, you know, any chance we got when we went camping. And one time we, we forgot any food. I don't know. I mean, I don't know how we forgot our food. We yeah. forgot everything. <laughs> and we basically went, we went to a lake and we caught crawdads and we cut like, you know, all these crawdads and cooked them up. And I swear to God, like, they probably were terrible, yeah. but like the fact of the matter is we're so hungry and yep. like, like at the moment it was the greatest meal I've ever had. I've never <laughs> had like an inkling to go do it again, but yeah. it was like at the time I was just so hungry from the, from the hiking and doing all this stuff. It was just such a good meal, but sometimes that's great. You brought up morels too. It just, it, that season's at least for us is coming. I see some guys in Illinois are, are getting them right now. Yeah. I'm a huge, you know, I have my spring things. I do. I make maple syrup. I go sucker spearing, uh, you know, followed by morels. You know, I have sort of my thing, I, things I do to get myself outside in the springtime. Yeah. And uh, that's coming and I didn't draw any tags. So uh, yeah, that, I'm going to go hunting in a different way. Are you, so you're, you're, you said you spear for suckers. Yeah. You ever done that? Never done that. Yeah. It, it, so with suckers, um, they'll, they'll run, but they run very similar to walleye, uh, you know, for spawning. Uh, and we have a lot of these you know, cricks that lead up in the lake. So typically go up these cricks, yeah. go in with a headlamp and a spear and, uh, usually culverts. That's kind of how I do it. Come over to culvert with a headlamp and you kind of cover it up, open it up. They'll usually, you'll see them right there, spear them and then pick them. You pick them. Yeah. You, again, for the bones okay. that I, to get rid of those little, it's, yeah, it's really hard. I mean, I've never been able to do it. Like, but pickling them, basically the bones essentially disintegrate. I mean, yeah. it, it, there's no issues. That's what we do with pike growing up. We'd pickle pike yeah. for that That's same it. reason. I, but see, the, I'm not a big fan of sucker meat. I am a fan of Northern meat. Yeah. Like, so you get that Y bone out of there and you, you take your time to do it. But yeah, it's still, no matter what you find a bone. <laughs> oh, there's always, and they're all those little bones. Yeah. I, I've pickled them. I, I've told this story in the podcast too. I keep doing that today, but. Um, growing up, my great grandma would, would have me any pick. We, we thought they were pickerel or pike. We couldn't tell because the lake that I would fish in growing up, they just were always small. I think they were just small pike. Um, but we, she, he, she'd have us bring any pike we caught because she loved pike meat and like no other than kids, no one was out there going out for pike, you know? Yep. So, but yeah, the Y bone hard to pick out. Um, and a lot of guys just pickle it cause it's. It's, it's easy and actually pickling, uh, you know, that's another one of those things that like, you know, back to food preservation, I'm, I've, I'm personally working on pickling right now is just sort of broadening my, my understanding yeah. of the, of the science behind it, the different applications We're actually going to make kimchi this year, Ooh, which yeah. is, it was just, you know, a different way. I, I, I'm really having a lot of fun right now because I'm trying different types of food preservation from different areas of the world. Yeah. And you know, kimchi is one of those things. It's just, I'm fascinated by it. Like, again, like spicy food. So it's just, it's neat to see how you do it, but that, that, yeah, I, I grow my own, you know, cucumbers and do my own uh, dill pickles, you know? So yeah. like, I've always done that. And now it's like, all right, same basic application and doing it in other ways. Um, and I, I do a lot of canning in general, just, I've, I, de I developed a canner a few years ago. That's based off of kind of an Instapot style. Yeah. Somebody challenged me one day and basically said, 
hey, how come we can't Canon, you know, in an Instapot? And I was like, oh, I don't know. Um, should be able out. to, right, yeah. You actually, and you can't. And the reason is, is that um, there's a bimetal thermostat that's in there, opens and shuts all the time. Yeah. So if you think about like, like a sine wave, it basically goes on, it goes, the, the heat goes up, and then it drops back down again. It goes up, drops sure, back down. Sure, okay. And we were, uh, so, so that was the basic issue with it. Uh, and, and so because of that, it would drop below a certain temperature, which the in Department of Ag didn't have any testing to determine whether or not botulism spores were killed. So like, I mean, I just immersed myself in this, like it was a law school exam. I mean, I like learned everything, read every book and got into it and designed this thing to work. And matter of fact, so one of the issues I ran into one day was that you had to have at least a four quarts to be able to be considered a canner. It had to be able to do four quart jars. And I couldn't figure out why, like, why is this? And I did some research and this was like early days of LinkedIn. And I I found out who was the scientist who did all the testing. And she was a professor at the university of Atlanta. And on LinkedIn, I reached out to her, got her phone number and called her. And I just said, Hey, of all these questions I've got to ask you about. And one of them is about why four quart jars. And she's like, Oh, cause that's the canner I used. And I was, she's like, I knew anything fine. And she's like, but the, what I use was four quarts. So that's the standard. And I was like, <laughs> fantastic. And at the time I had this, you know, Canada did three quarts. Right. So I had to yeah. go and I'm like, I get it. I'm not going to make the Department of Ag change their standards. I'm going to take it to decide, I guess. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. I knew the path of least resistance was building my <laughs> So yeah, again, I just, I've, you know, I run the company or develop the products basically on these principles. I kind of figure I'm an everyday guy. Like I enjoy being able to do it myself. I enjoy developing products that enable people to do that. And it's, you know, it kind of brought me along. It's my, it's how I grew up. Uh, I, I really enjoy that part of it. And I really enjoy stuff like this where I can share the experiences. Yeah. And there are a lot of people out there who are in these categories and they're just in them because, Hey, this is a good category. You know, you know, it's a developing category. Yeah. Right. It's a uh, opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm in it because I'm like, it's fun. Like it I, is fun. It's, it's creative. And I, you know, I don't know if you practice law at one time or not, but one thing that that really got me was that at the end of the day, I'd come home, I'd be depressed in the sense that I hadn't built anything. Yep. It was like the world was <laughs> a place because I had been in it. And the one thing I really got out of being, you know, developing chard, you know, running metalware is the idea that, hey, we make products to make people's lives better. I develop products that, you know, allow people to do it themselves, become self-reliant. Yeah. That itself builds confidence. And I think, you know, that's, that's a lot more fun. And that's really who we are as a company. And I, I think it's reflected in the products themselves. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm just, I pulled a few things up here, uh, even just your, your meat tenderizer stuff. It's just, I know, I know when you say like, it feels like you've added something to the world. Uh, a lot of times at the end of the day, it's like, ah, there's no tactical, there tactile, no touchable thing that I've produced today. It feels like I've just, you know, and so to, to put something like, uh, like this out, that's, I mean, I mean, it's, it's helping people take care of the way that they handle their meat. Um, and it's getting them involved in the process and, and it's this tangible thing. That's pretty cool. You know, and I will just say it, I, I don't only disagree with you because I think these podcasts are tangible. Yeah, they it's true. Things, they, they are things that basically people can watch, enjoy and learn and, and really develop who they are as well. And I, this has been the one thing that's been a lot of fun for me to see this part of technology 
Yeah. Yeah. Technology has a lot of ups and downs for folks. This is the part, the learning, to be able to, you know, hey, whatever we're talking about today is going to be accessible in 200 years. Be like, look, they were talking about kimchi back then. Yeah. Right. Uh, you know, I think that part is really cool. But you, and I'm just going to go back to that tenderizer for one moment. Yeah. Yeah. Part an idea. Yeah. So if you look at that tenderizer, so, you know, the tenderizer, again, I had something like this growing up. It screws to the side of a bench. Yep. Um, but like one of the things I did is I changed all the gears to metal because when like they were mainly being used over in Europe, people in Europe were doing more lamb and they just thought venison is a much not much tougher me whether they're doing venison antelope you know elk they just it's because it's wild it's a tougher meat so we we're busting through plastic gears sure whatever made metal but i'll give you one quick really easy thing to do um instead of marinating if you want to marinate something for 48 hours again we're talking about having kids and like yeah quick try this take a dry rub and dry rub something onto a a, a piece of like a just a steak yeah run it through the marinator um, it will take that 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 rub and it will actually embed pushes it, it in. Yeah, yeah, the tenderizer it is the will. Yeah, this thing um, and it has flavor. Every bite has flavor all the way through versus just around the outside, and it's just so easy to do with a marinade or with a tenderizer like that. What kind of, what kind of cuts would you do that for if you're trying to do a quick meal? I'm well. I'm going to do stuff like again, flank steaks. Those yeah. are really good for that. Um, you know, I'm not going to use anything that's a that's a better steak. I, my favorite steak, by the way, uh, rear hawk, just be uh, just above the knee. Um, yeah, I actually think that's better than the tenderloins because uh, it has a little bit of fat in it, sure. and, it's, and it's usually tender. I, I personally like eating deer that are about a year old. Um, and that just, I shoot a lot of those for some reason. That's probably yeah, why <laughs> when we have news to take a shot a lot more nowadays, I sit a lot longer and make a lot more hamburger. That's right. Uh, <laughs> that's, <laughs> funny. that's kind of a, it's just sort of a slick way of, uh, you know, that's good to know. Yeah. So you can either pound it or you got this easy crank, uh, which is sweet. And the pounding is nice. You just don't work the, you just don't work the flavor. And like those has little teeth on them. Yeah. That'll inject that. Like, you know, I just use Lori seasoning or something like just that. Pushes it in. Season it on there, push it right in there. Or to, I'll take garlic and I'll put garlic across and I don't have to chop it up real fine. And then it works the garlic right into the meat. So if I put in a cast iron skillet, put a little butter on there, I Oof. throw a couple onions in, get a really, really hot and basically uh, put it on like that. And because that garlic's inside, you'll sear the outside and that garlic will just cook on the inside it adds a ton of flavor. And again, you get like garlic, but yeah. I'm personally garlic and onions to me on a steak. is just, that's pretty awesome. It's right. Yeah. 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 With, yeah, I'm with you. Like a little onion, little, little garlic, salt, pepper. Yeah. If, if you want my perfect recipe for just a quick meal, that's, that's it. I, I yeah, salt, pepper, garlic, big, gar- big garlic fan. And yeah. then I think I said, throw the onions in the beginning, actually throw them in the end. <laughs> Um, but it just, uh, but, but cook it like that on cast iron, get that cast iron to the point where it's smoking, put it on there, cook it. You know, if, if you get, you know, if you run through the marinator, it's going to be about a half inch thick when you're done. Yeah. You can cook that thing in about, you know, just maybe a minute on minute and a half on either side. And that's all you really need. And that's a little, it's still a little medium rare in the middle. That's how I like it. That's how I like it too. I, uh, I've, that's, a, I'm a, I've taken a strong stance in that with that in my family. Uh, my wife comes from, people who cook their steaks more uh and she's come around pretty quickly to every once in a while she'll be like can we just have like one really well done steak and, and i'll do it but it, it pains me a little bit if it's not <laughs> moving a little bit it's, it's it, it hurts yeah. me you know <laughs> uh, 
So, you know, it's just funny how that, where you come from dictates a lot of what your the perfect stake is, you know, and you realize it more and more as you get a little older, you realize that, you know, th- that those meals are like, you talked about like, you know, the, I was laughing earlier when you're talking about like bringing girls up and like, yeah. you know, and, and sort of impressing with culinary skills, like that was like taking the camp or doing that stuff. Yeah. Like it really was pretty neat. And then, you know, I, so I've got this little Island on a river that I, I, I know there's an asparagus patch every spring, same thing. And awesome. like, you want to impress somebody, like take them on a canoe trip be like, look, and come out with like a, like a handful of asparagus and cook it over an open fire. Like, and, and I bet you have done it like a, a couple dozen times over my <laughs> lifetime where I'm just like, look what I found, you know, like <laughs> happens to come back in the same spot every year. Uh, but it's stuff like that, you know, it just, it, it all of a sudden, like for my wife and I, those memories are fun memories to share with our kids, you know, and just again, fun things that, I, I sorted out a lot of folks I didn't want to date that way too. Like, That's right. <laughs> if they don't eat it, you're gone. Like, they don't I'm sorry. They, they complain a lot on a canoe trip. I'm like, man, it's be tough to be five days in the woods with you. But yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's funny how that is. My wife was one of the girls that I ended up bringing up to the cottage, which I was not allowed to do. I, I was uh, told not to do that. But, you know, no one's up there. It's, it's uh, north of, of here in Grand Rapids. And I'm like, you know, we, we go, we'll shoot a deer. And what we ended, Jared and I always did was, there's always a couple random soups in the uh, like the pantry. So we'd grab like a tomato. Our go-to is like tomato, cream of mushroom, cream of chicken or whatever. You mix it all together with noodles. You throw some kind of like macaroni or whatever in there. And then you chop up, you, you, we would saute meat, throw it in there as well. And it was fine, but we felt like it was the greatest food that you could ever have. Like how could, how has no one discovered this meal before? for us so I, I guess gotta laugh at the cream of mushroom like when the pandemic hit i think i bought like three flats of cream of mushroom yeah like, like look as far as i know it's in every recipe i have for wild game so yeah. that's right it's always in there it's so good too you know well um rick i i appreciate you you coming on and, and uh kind of walking us through what you do but I, I would be remiss if i wasn't wouldn't didn't ask you about maybe what your favorite way to prepare say let's we'll start with like beer because you're you're in wisconsin i'm in michigan beer is like the wild animal of choice like if you could pick one cut of the deer one way to cook it like one final meal before you were executed for whatever heinous crime you committed what would it, what would it be yeah and again i think this ties back even to what we talked about i think about like the first night at deer camp um and, uh, you know, we'd always, my grandfather would always have, he would he'd do that, that, that hawk area behind the, behind the yeah. lake. And he would slice it up and he was just, I mean, he'd be like, Rick, this is, this is that, you know, this is the, this is the part, this is the one right here. And, uh, we, we would slice that, we'd slice it up with a little garlic, little onions yep. on a cast iron. I mean, I kind of described it for you already. Yeah. Honestly, like that to me, and that smell brings me back to that time and that era. I love it. Obviously you can't beat a tenderloin. Um, you know, so if we go switch back to my grandmother, you know, cooking, uh, you know, tenderloin, you know, we wrapped them in aluminum foil a lot of times and just, you know, yep. and, and did, you know, that that's fantastic. And then even we talk about cream of mushroom. It's like, that was sort of go-to Thursday night type thing where it'd be yep. like chunks of stew meat, cream of mushroom over noodles. Like, Oh yeah. That right there, honestly, that's probably my best because we had that the most, Yep. That's probably, and, and it's probably something I don't do as much today because it's a different world we live in. Yeah. Uh, but that was like our Thursday night, uh, you know, that's just what we had. And you kind of expected to have that kind of like that. Sure. I, I, I'm sure it was like the, uh, the, 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 um, 
you know, the, I'm thinking of the uh, uh, glass dish pasta that my wife had growing up. She's like, oh, it's Thursday night. We had white pasta. Yeah. Uh, you know, for us, that was the most, I still to this day, if I smell that, have that, it brings back such good memories. And for me, at least, a lot of this stuff is about reconnecting to your family, your yeah, history, yeah, definitely. and passing along. I, I've got two boys and a daughter. I, I, I pass along to them. I, I do all this stuff with them, and it brings me just pure joy to be able to do it. And you know, the food is great. I love the meals, but I love the memories, the associations that come with it. And I think that that's the biggest part for me. Yeah. No, I, I think I think you nailed it. Like um, I'm trying to think of what what my go to meat would be. I mean, obviously, I'm not going to say the tenderloins because that's too easy. But one thing, and you talk about family, is my daughter loves to eat deer heart. She loves heart. And so like, when I think of like one of my favorite meals is if I, whenever I shoot a deer, it's first thing I, I take out the heart, I clean it up a little bit and we'll do just onions and, and heart. And like a lot of times throw it on like a salad or something, but that's like, man, even if, if I were out, if I'm out shoot, if I shoot a squirrel, I have to save the heart for her. If I shoot a turkey heart, I've got a bag of uh, chicken hearts in my uh, freezer right now, just from the butcher that I know. Um, but I think that, I think the heart might be the cut of choice for me. I feel like I had another one, but that might be it. I did. I got into liver for a while, but at one point I overdid the liver. Heart, I was thinking, you know, what does she, did she like liver too? Because she, I, I fed it to her too much. I, I made a mistake, tactical error. And actually I did it to myself too. I had it too much. And now I, what I end up doing is, and it kind of sounds gross, but I make like a slurry out of it. I blend it up and I'll, yep. th- I'll actually freeze it into ice cubes. And like, if I make a meal, I'll throw a little liver in just to get the nutrients and stuff. Well, it has such a rich flavor to it too. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm yeah. kind of the same way. I'm not an organ meat guy because I had it a lot growing up and it, because it is so rich. Yeah. You kind of burn out on it. Um, yeah, but, you do. But, but it is really, and I will just say the guys who, you know, maybe didn't grow up doing this, like the heart, the liver, they may not be the most appetizing cuts when you're looking at them. Yeah. I will just tell you, and I'm sure you'll share this they're fantastic tasting. Like and they, oh, yeah. they really are. get, get over that part of it. Um, in that heart and that liver are the ones that I would recommend anybody, at least if it's your first year or your first time processing, give it a shot. Like, I mean, you might really like it. Uh, it, it I don't think you're going to not like it. It no. may be too rich for you. Um, but at the same time, like there's so much flavor, it might become your favorite next cut. Oh yeah. And, and that the heart really, I, I mean, I cleaned it up pretty carefully, but I feel like it doesn't have a, an, like that, ter- ter- I mean, it's stronger flavor, but not terribly strong. Like a, a liver can be, yep. um, the, can, can, like the texture, the consistency is a little different. It's almost like a hot dog, Yeah, you know, like a really well cooked hot dog. Um, but man, I, I, like I said, if I think of just one meal that I just brings a smile to my face, it, it is cooking up a deer heart. Um, for, I guess she's nine now, but, uh, she's been eating it for a long time. So but she's going to carry those memories with her too. Just like, and someday she'll pass that along, or at least yeah. when she has dear heart, you know, later in life, it'll have those memories of doing that with you, which, you know, kind of, that's what it's all about. Right. Like we want to have, we don't have enough time with our families as it is. Yeah. And so when you do have that time, you want to make it special. You want to have those things, so, you know, whatever it is, figure out something you can do with those kids that, that you connect with and just, and have fun with it. If she likes hearts, man, go get, make sure you're doing it every single time <laughs> and enjoying that time together. Yeah, no, that's good stuff. I've got this funny picture of her when she was three or four, maybe. Um, and I shot, I shot a nice Michigan public land buck, just a good 
my best, my best buck. Um, and I, it had a, just a giant heart. So there's a picture of me holding this heart out and she's kind of like, kind of doing one of these looks, but we cut, I just, I remember vividly, we cut that thing up, we ate it and she, she ate most of it. So yeah, that, that's the kind of thing that you kind of, you, you get in your kids' heads um, and, and it, it serves you well in your relationship with them for, for a long, long time. For a long, long time. And it can be that, it can be fishing, it can be yep. any number, any number of things though, but I don't think we appreciate all the time just what an impact those types of things have on our families and and, and for a healthy development, even understanding where your food comes from. I I remember I've shot deer with every one of my kids and every one of them had sort of this eye-opening experience of like, (laughs) I'm like, there's no different than the hamburger we've eaten at the store. It's good to know where it comes from. It, It really is. It's good to remove that mystery from it. And that sparks curiosity. And then once you get over some of the, you know, the, the initial shock, it's, it's a really healthy thing, to, in my opinion, at least. It's a really healthy thing to know, understand, and appreciate. Yeah. And uh, you, you do a service to your kids having them know that as well. Yeah. No, that's great stuff. Um, all right. Well, Rick, we're, we're up on time, um, but I want to give you a minute uh, to share where people can find these tools. Like how, how can they find out more about you? Uh, where, where should they go and check this stuff out? Sure. I'll uh, give, give you a couple websites. Uh, we're at most you know, major retailers that you're going to go to out there, uh, but chardproducts.com, uh, the C-H-A-R-D products.com, that, uh, that's got our entire listing of all our products. It also has some connections to people who carry our products. Um, I, the other brand we have is Nesco uh, and uh, Nesco. Nesco Roasters, you're from the Midwest, you know, Nesco Roaster is, yep. uh, but we make a lot of vacuum sealers and food dehydrators. So Nesco.com, take a look at that. You can go to Amazon. It's going to carry all of our products, brick and mortar. Again, the fleet farms, farm and fleets, the, they, the guys in the Midwest, the Cabela's, the Bass Pros, they're going to carry our products, especially our dehydrators. Uh, we have the best dehydrators on the market, the best vacuum sealer on the market right now. And again, if, you know, if it's important to you, these products have been designed by folks like me to serve, you know, the needs of guys like us and and quite frankly uh i don't think it's happening in all products out there so uh, those things if you're watching this podcast then you're vested and maybe just check out our products and see if they're right for you excellent hey definitely check it out um i appreciate you coming on rick and, and thanks to everybody for listening in hey i really appreciate it enjoyed the conversation thank you thanks hey everybody thanks for listening to this episode we really do appreciate it Uh, If you want to go on to any kind of social media platform, give us a like, share, subscribe. You know, it really helps us out. keeps the train rolling. And if you guys really like what you're listening here, give us a five-star Either way, even if you don't like it. Even if you don't like it. Five stars. Helps everyone out. We'll see you out there.